Welcome to TV Times 3, episode 285. On this episode, we've got some renewal news, and then we'll be discussing the second season finales of Halt and Catch Fire and True Detective, the second season premiere of Playing House, the series premiere of Mr. Robinson, and some recent episodes of Mr. Robot. Plus, we've got some TV recommendations at the end. You can find the full show notes with start times for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 285. I'm Jason the TV Holic from tvholic.com, and this week I have joining me... Corey Barker from tv.com. And Kyle Nolan from noreruns.net. All right, thank you both for joining me this week to talk a little TV. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Uh, first up, we'll just dive right into the news. A few things. Uh, all renewals this week. Bravo has renewed Odd Mom Out for a second season, a show that I didn't even know existed until I saw that it was renewed for a second season. I actually really enjoyed the show. Like, it was it was basically about this like mother who like joins this uppity like upper uh, like New York uh, area. Like, her husband's rich and her uh, and her family is rich, and she doesn't want to. She's like a wild person. She doesn't want to fit into that lifestyle, but uh, she keeps trying to get pressured into doing so. I, I thought it was really funny. I'm glad to see it's coming back and we're getting more episodes. Uh, I'm with you, Jason. I had literally never heard of this uh, until uh, Kyle mentioned it in the email thread, actually. And yeah. I, I thought, well, that's an interesting addition and just assumed it was some reality show, to be honest. That's the, that's the thing is, <laughs> is there's so many, uh, so many of these different networks that keep getting into scripted shows. But when you hear the title of things, it just sounds like another one of their reality shows. And so sometimes I don't even, I don't know, it just sort of flies under the radar, just like, oh, that's not, I'm not into that. I don't, I don't watch reality, so. Plus, every time I tweet about the show, the creator always favorites it or retweets it or whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I don't know how many people are watching it, but she's obviously watching any tweets <laughs> about <not> the show. <laughs> Uh, well, according to Wikipedia, the premiere ratings were under a million, and uh, it only went down from there. But uh, apparently that's good enough for Bravo. <laughs> uh, yeah, apparently to uh, get into comedy, scripted comedy, I guess, is is what I would say. <laughs> Instead of unintentional comedy? Yeah, just, <laughs> I don't know what they're going for on a lot of the other stuff, so I, I'm assuming some of it's supposed to be funny. I think some of that stuff is scripted, though. <laughs> well, as we've seen from Unreal, which is the documentary <laughs> of behind-the-scenes reality TV, it's all very scripted. All right, next up, uh, FX has renewed The Strain for a third season, uh, which is not a surprise. This one just seems like even if the ratings completely cratered, they're probably going to do all five seasons of it. Yeah, they should just go ahead and approve them now <laughs> for their five-year plan and... Not waited out. Yeah, this this seems like a show that uh, is just going to continue to be on the air until they don't want it to be. Even though it, I don't know, it doesn't feel like there's like a, a sweeping wave of enthusiasm for the show. I I did not see last night's episode, but I do know, and this is spoilers for people that uh, Ephraim finally shaved his head. So I feel like <laughs> that's like the biggest thing that's happened in this show since like the first couple episodes. And I think maybe that will kind of inspire people to really take it seriously now that they don't have to look at that wig. 
See, I n- the wig never bothered me. I started to wonder, did he shave his head for House of Cards? Because I thought it looked normal and looked perfectly <laughs> fine. <laughs> it had me questioning, wow, he was dedicated to, to House of Cards to shave his head like that. It's just such like a deep widow's peak, I think, is the real – if he just had kind of a more traditional, you know, like a fade. But I think just the style of the hair itself looks so bad that – not even knowing if Corey Stoll was bald or not, really, like, didn't even matter. The hair itself just looks so stupid. Yeah, fake or real, it didn't matter. It looked dumb. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you know that sometimes I think you, you've got a problem when the one thing that your show does get talked about is something bizarre, like a wig or you know a hairstyle, uh, sort of like what Megan Boone on the blacklist. Yeah, that for the first season or so. <laughs> I still didn't get that either. Like, the hair looked like hair to me. Like, people seem to pick out these wigs. I have no sense of, no wig radar. Well, I think it was just that pretty much every picture picture that she's ever been in, she has, like, this pixie cut. And then on the show, she's got this long hair. I don't know. I always just found it weird because it just seems like an FBI agent would, like, put their hair up want a shortcut or something it just seemed more appropriate for the for the job that uh, that she was doing but uh, here we are talking about hair <laughs> in the new segment uh, lastly uh, Netflix uh, has renewed since eight for a second season they had to apparently wait for eight eight uh, to <laughs> an- to announce this and so it made the TCA panel apparently very strange. Since nobody would, since they had a panel for Sense Eight, but nobody would say whether it was actually going to be back again or not. I've still yet to watch it. Yeah, but, but now we know. Yeah, that that was such a bizarre choice on their part. Um, I, I mean, if they really did wait for the the date to kind of sync up, that's that's an interesting choice the, to put like the cast and crew through an entire like press ringer just so they could renew it on a like a convenient day, <laughs> like a few days later. Yeah. <laughs> Because that was every every story I saw out of TCA was just seemed really weird to have a Sense8 panel, but they wouldn't say whether it was going to be back or not. Right, and everybody seemed pretty optimistic, and I think even some folks said like, oh yeah, we're optimistic that there's going to be a second season, <laughs> and it's like, well, you could just tell us if there's going to be, <laughs> like you're renewing other things literally right now as you're speaking. <laughs> That's right. But no, we have to wait for 8-8. Eight, eight. I just want so. you to sense that there was a renewal so that they could <laughs> All right, that's the news. And we'll jump into the primetime segment. Uh, we've got five shows to talk about. Uh, be talking a little Halt and Catch Fire, Mr. Robinson, Mr. Robot, Playing House, and True Detective. And first up, Halt and Catch Fire, uh, Season 2, Episode 10, Heaven is a Place, which is the uh, season finale. I stopped watching about halfway through the first season and apparently that's when it got good <laughs> from what i understand is it got good towards the end of that uh seasons when really people started talking about it more uh, and then this season people seem to love it uh, at least uh, critically speaking i don't know that the ratings are doing uh, all that great but from what i understand did this season basically focus on the two female characters more than anybody else Corey? Yeah, yeah. I think definitely that was the whenever you kind of dropped out, I think the back half of the first season, they sort of realized that the female actresses, A, were really good, which was kind of apparent from the beginning, but that their characters uh, were a little more interesting 
as opposed to kind of the more cliche, like difficult, complicated, dark and twisty men stuff that they were kind of doing at the beginning that didn't really work. And so then the second season really, you know, didn't sideline the men entirely, but it definitely brought the women and their company mutiny to the forefront. And I think that the show was much better for it. And I think by the end of the second season, they figured out a way to kind of bring all the characters into the show and into the story together in a way that felt relatively organic, give or take a few kind of little plot things here and there. So what did you think, Kyle? I think it definitely got better when they dropped the concentration on the whole Cameron and Joe relationship. And they just had her off on her own, not pining away for him. And I think that definitely helped the show. I I definitely enjoyed this second season a lot more. Again, Joe seems to be like this magic guy that comes up with like every big computer idea like <laughs> like oh we're gonna lease server uh time on our servers and people can use the internet that way and and then now at the very end of this episode he suddenly invented like antivirus software and he's got a, a huge amount of money uh to go in and start like an antivirus company so i mean it seems a little convenient that he's like he comes up with all these amazing ideas but um i think it still works and like you said, the ratings were like abysmal, but we'll see if it doesn't come back for a third season. I think it still ended somewhat like basically it ended with everybody going off to California all of a sudden, like the uh, women in their company, they're going to like uh, go buy a server out in California and, bring their company out there but not necessarily concentrate on doing games anymore and then joe has his uh antivirus thing and uh i can't think of the other guy the uh husband uh gordon Gordon. yes uh he like of course suddenly somehow joe's new venture already made it into a magazine like within a day of him getting all his funding and joe happens to see or and gordon happens to see it on a plane and he's all upset that uh that he's not part of that big $10 million deal. But I, I mean, they, they set it up so they could definitely do another season and explore all these people out in California. But I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah. I think the one thing that the show has been good at is like constantly reinventing itself or going down new directions when, you know, when it began, it kind of felt like it was this going to be this very particular story about like, the rise of computing without talking or without showing us like Apple and windows and stuff like that. And then very quickly in the second season, it became an entirely different show again. And they kind of have in a like Forrest Gumpian way, kind of just checked off like all of the like big developments in like computing and the internet. It's like, Oh, this is called a chat room, you know, and like things like that. (laughs) And that can be a little cheesy at times um, and kind of, like takes you out of the period nature of the story. But I think the idea of everybody going to California and the show being able to maybe more directly engage with like the rise of Silicon Valley in particular, instead of being all the characters kind of off in this weird part of Texas, you know, sets up for an interesting third season 
but I'm not really sure that there's actually going to be one of those given that the ratings were actually so bad. They're they're almost as bad as Odd Mom Out, which is a show we literally had not heard of before <laughs> like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> well, like, like you said, I think they do a good job, though, of like keeping each. It's almost like um, like Mad Men, like where they would come back for each season. It would be almost like a self-contained like here's a new period that we're looking at. And like, here's a self-contained story for that that season. And I think they do a good job with that. Whether or not we get that third chapter is likely uh, not going to happen. But we'll see. They might need their their next critic uh, critically acclaimed show that nobody watches that they can keep going with. Yeah, and I think that maybe it'd be interesting to know if that was something that was. Uh, come out like came out of like network discussions that maybe amc suggested you know this show would be more interesting if you were actually like in silicon valley now um given that that is kind of you know the subject of other tv shows and certainly an interesting place to kind of couch your history in so i i'm curious to know if that was a decision made by the producers to kind of perhaps inspire amc to bring the show back given that it has such low ratings Here's like the beginnings of things happening in Silicon Valley, uh, sort of uh, a historic, you know, a historical look inside this fictional show where, like you said, there are some or have been some things here recently that are doing pretty well that revolve around Silicon Valley. I don't know. Maybe that could be interesting. Uh, I wonder if the ratings are just too low for them to keep it around as the critical darling, especially if it's not also getting... Uh, any type of award nominations or anything? Yeah, if, so, if no one's, if people haven't even heard of it except for the critics, it doesn't really make any. And you're not making any money on it. It doesn't really make any sense to keep it around, like, because who are you using this to to get to watch your network? Yeah, and I mean, when AMC renewed Turn, oh, sorry, Turn colon Washington Spice, <laughs> uh, like a month ago or whatever, you know, they came out and made sure to preface it by. Well, don't worry. Like we know no one like in the critical community actually likes this show, but a lot of like wealthy white people watch this show. So that's why we're renewing it. And I don't know as if that that particular like if there's a specific demographic that's really valuable to AMC. And it does kind of feel like the show's in this weird gray area where it's like not popular enough to be economically valuable but it's also not beloved enough by the right people, even if critics have kind of come around to it, to keep it around either. So it's kind of just in a middle ground where like a good amount of people really do enjoy it, but that dedication is not there. And it's not even really a show that they could, you know, if they put all the episodes on Netflix tomorrow and put it like on the main page on Netflix for two months, it's not really a show that's going to get you know, marathon or binge watch like Breaking Bad was or even like The Walking Dead or even Mad Men to a certain extent. Like it just doesn't have that kind of real interesting hook that's going to grab uh, somebody who's just kind of scrolling through a Netflix queue or a channel guide. Obviously, that's why the ratings are low in the first place. Yeah, I think people that maybe tuned in for the first season and tuned out like they ever came back to give it a second chance, even though Everyone seems to agree the second season was a lot better than the first, but they already lost yeah. a lot of well, viewers. I'm, I'm one of those people. I mean, they, <laughs> they lost me, and yeah, even hearing that it got better, there's just there was so many other things that I was like, how much better could it have gotten? <laughs> you know, that I want to jump back uh, in on that as opposed to watching, you know, something else that's new or that's that's come out that's 
that I what you know that I am enjoying from the beginning. Yeah, and I think so many of the pleas from critics or people on Twitter, there's been that kind of twofold plea where it's been like this show is really good now. And you should watch it because no one is watching it. And I know, you know, there are a lot of people out there who don't have a lot of time to watch TV. And like if you hear, oh, a show that you didn't like is now better, but also no one's watching it. So it's probably going to get canceled anyway. (laughs) Like you don't have you don't have the investment to say like, oh, I need to catch up with this now because everybody's talking about it. You probably think, well, that sounds like it's going to get canceled. So I'll just move on to the next thing. There's just not enough time in the day to like catch up with all the shows that are pretty good if not you know great yeah because after we've established there's plenty of scripted shows that you don't even hear about <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> that, uh, let alone uh ones that you are enjoying you know even with the amount of tv that i watch there's it's hard to sneak it's hard to sneak another one back in there you know uh, but speaking of things that are about to get canceled <laughs> uh, uh, mr robinson just premiered on nbc uh, with the first two episodes uh, season one, episode one, the pilot, and episode two, uh, Flesh for Fantasy, uh, which they did six episodes of this, and they're going to burn it off three <laughs> in three weeks, uh, so that they can then burn off the next show that they have two episodes at a time, because apparently they didn't want to burn them off in tandem together <laughs> over the yeah. course of six weeks. I, people might people I might know. not have tuned in for more than three weeks, so they had to just try to shove it all down at once. This one sounded. I mean. It's got a basic premise of, you know, a, a guy that's been trying to make it as a musician ends up uh, becoming a school teacher. There's been lots of shows that revolve around, you know, that type of premise. Somebody working with kids and, you know, these type of high school comedies. And then this one has Craig Robinson and Perry Gilpin, a bunch of other recognizable faces that uh, show up, yet it is horrendously bad. <laughs> like, Every joke and twist in air quotes is like so over uh, like advertised that's coming like, oh, Friday night we have this faculty meeting. Friday night we have our first paying gig. <laughs> what could go wrong? Like, First of all, I don't understand why he has to go to a faculty thing. He's only there through Friday. He's only a sub. He's not even a full-time faculty member, yet he's supposed to attend this faculty thing. And then they throw in the other heavy-handedness of, oh, this kid's doing drugs. Like, oh, you, I got to teach you responsibility, so I'll go to this Friday night faculty thing instead of my paying band gig so that I can prove this is what adults do. Like, it was just so – it's so bad. <laughs> it also didn't make sense in that the first – the very first episode within the week, he somehow bonded with the kids so much that they band together to help him try and win the woman of his dreams type of thing. And you're like, really? In episode one? And how do they explain this to all their parents why they're staying late for school to help some new sub get a girl? Like, it was just, yes, it made no sense. What do you think, Corey? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is bad. I think, you know, even to the th- the scene or the story you just described, like it wasn't even not only was it like the first or second day on the job where the kids kind of had their like 
oh, captain, my captain moment. But, like, we only saw – I think we saw one scene of him in the classroom before that. It's not as if, like – Yeah, like the, the first... very first time he walks into the class and he gets yeah. people to come up and sing in front yeah, of Yeah, he the got class. the shy girl. All of a sudden, like, within, like, two minutes of being in the classroom, he got the shy girl to, to overcome her fear and come up and sing in front of the class. Yeah, and I think the the thing about this show is like it was in development for a while. I think the cast got swapped out. There were a number of people who were involved around Robinson who then left, and I think it just feels like something where everybody is sort of going through the motions. Like it, you know, even the studio audience doesn't seem like overly thrilled to be there. The actors are not bad as you guys mentioned. And, like, they don't even really stop to sell the jokes. They kind of just say things and no one even reacts in, like, a like crazy, overly, like, multi-camera Broadway. It's just kind of, like, people delivering lines in a very nonchalant way, just, like, going through the motions. And the stories are – they basically just opened a book of, like, classic sitcom plots. <laughs> and they're already doing them by episode two, like, crazy British – musician uh and then the b plot is like all the teachers have a stock together i mean like how inane <laughs> and just not that's that's episode two they're like whoa we got a good investment here maybe we should cash out like that's the second episode of this show yeah and that also turns out that the vice principal had a thing with that british rocker yeah <laughs> you know it's like what are the, uh, the number of coincidences and things that happen yeah, I don't recall laughing at all. Like, <laughs> like throughout. I mean, they have the way over the top PE teacher. Uh, I mean, it, it was like it was like stock characters too. They were just like, okay, we need the we yeah. need the, the stripper teacher. <laughs> the ma- yeah, the math teacher, the stripper. Yeah, <laughs> and was everyone that the girl from Greek. Yes, yes. <laughs> Spencer Grammer. Yeah. Uh, Everyone and everyone kind of just treats that as like the least biggest deal possible. Like everyone just kind of walks through and there's one character um, who finds out like in the pilot, Samir, he finds out that she's a stripper. But everyone else on the faculty seems to know that she's a stripper. Uh, Some of the other adults like Craig's brother walks through the school and that's ridiculous in its own right that he's just walking around repeatedly. Um, And people just acknowledge that she's a stripper and it's just like well yeah you know and this it's just like additional levels of you know trying to seem edgy but also the plots themselves are so retrograde and like this weird nostalgia trip to like the early 90s that the show has so many things going on at once and also nothing happening like it's just this really weird mashup of everything and nothing at the same time like it should have been an old – since TV Land is rebranding themselves to become more edgy. It's almost like an old school TV Land <laughs> original comedy where they took yeah. people from comedies that you remember and put them into a new comedy uh, and yet uh, it, it was – like an old comedy. It was – but it was so bad. Uh, I mean you had Samir, the science teacher, who's trying to create a beef substitute but mm-hmm. since he's never had – beef he's trying to get other people to taste it to see if he's doing it right i mean these things that they had doing everybody doing in these things i i the the stripper flipper show yep (laughs) versus flipper stripper with mary loretten (laughs) 
and the gym teacher uh has what he like wants to start his own sort of like uh he's a like an old tennis pro and he wants to start a camp and like that goes so poorly and there's just everything he says is like overly sexual and not even like a double entendre it's basically just like pure like sexually charged exposition it's just like well, so many things basically like the opening song to the first episode yeah where he's singing about what baking but he says this is not a double entendre it's just yeah it's just all about sex <laughs> it's just you know what we're talking about but that even it was right there from the get-go i was like the song's not funny then the woman walks in he sees her he goes over and talks to her and then she immediately gets up and leaves. And I go, why did she come there? Like, was she meeting somebody there? What was the point of her coming there other than for him to see her? Plus, uh, he like stops his job to go talk to her for like two seconds. And then she and, leaves. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, but why was she there? Like, did she not come in for a drink? Did she, was she not meeting somebody? Like, what? Uh, it just was that type of stuff from the beginning. Uh, and then I watched the second episode because we were going to talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I don't think I'll be watching the other four. This is definitely one that NBC should burn off as as, as quick as possible. Can I get? Can I tell you guys something though? Having looked this up now, this show. Guess how many people watched the premiere? It was the biggest comedy per, summer comedy premiere for NBC in like years. It was like four and a half million or something. Four point six million people watched the premiere. That is almost double the amount of people who were watching Parks and Recreation this season. How many people watched the second episode though? Three point nine or three point seven nine. So less than a million wow. people dropped out. <laughs> This thing's coming back. Yeah, I hope it gets renewed. <laughs> that would be amazing if it got renewed. <laughs> oh, that would be. Forget the Carmichael show. They're going to quickly put together <laughs> six more episodes. Uh, all right. I think we spent way more time than that's enough than was than was ever needed to talk about Mr. Robinson. Uh, and we'll move on and talk about a a better Mr. Uh, Mr. Robot. Uh, season one, episode seven, uh, which is EPS one point six uh, viewsource dot FLV. I understand that you don't start with, that you start something with one but in the episode titles, it really makes it really is confusing to have a six when it's episode seven. But uh, we'll start with the we'll start with you, Corey. What do you think in, of Mister Robot? Yeah, I think uh, you know. Obviously, this is a show that people have been talking about a lot this summer, and I think for good reason. I I, I tend to find myself liking it a little bit less than maybe like what it seems like people feel about it. You know, people kind of talking about it online or on Twitter. Um, but the last couple episodes have been especially good. Um, I think the one before last week, uh, which was episode six, but as you mentioned, it listed as episode five uh, or 1.5. This, the title thing is ridiculous. Um, I constantly feel like I'm behind on an episode or I'm confused. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. Um, but, uh, where he, where Elliot discovers that like Shayla has been murdered was, was pretty brutal. And I think a really great episode. And I think, you know, this week's or this past week's episode did a really nice job of kind of handling the aftermath of that while still, uh, you know, pushing some other stories forward and kind of, 
thinking about how Elliot would respond to like a significant trauma like this because we we know that he's had these things happen to him in the past um, and he's got kind of a very tumultuous backstory. But we haven't really seen him encounter something like this dark thus far. And so to see him kind of retreat inward and then kind of, you know, um, confess to his to his shrink that he does all this hacking uh, was was kind of an interesting breakthrough and obviously uh, really well performed uh, by Rami Malek because he's really great and the best part of the show by far. How about you, Kyle? Yeah, I, I liked how this opened because the way the show works, you never know really what's happening. So when it opened <laughs> yeah. with the with the flashback, I was wondering, is he just hallucinating seeing her again that she's – even though she's dead, because I didn't realize it was a flashback until finally they do the, hey, my name's Shayla, my name's Elliot, uh, at the end. So I thought that was a neat way to to start the episode, because you weren't really sure what was going on, or at least I wasn't. Um, yeah, see, the, the clue was in the hair again, right? She had completely different hair, which signaled <laughs> that it was probably a flashback. You got you to gotta pay attention to the hair, man. I, well, didn't they also in the previous episode, didn't they reference something about remember how we met? Uh, yeah, Something I think like so. that. And so and then this episode opened with how they met. I don't know. I find this show just from the opening like credits and it just sort of pulls you in. And the the story elements are, are interesting and... But like you said, Remy Malik is, I mean, he's just really good uh, at going through all of this stuff. The portrayal of, you're not, like Kyle said, you're not quite sure exactly from time to time, like what he's uh, sort of daydreaming. Like, are there people actually following him or is that something that he's seen? There's been, a, you know, there was a lot of speculation about who and who that he's talking to is real and who's not. Uh, you know, some people thought that, you know, even like the doctor wasn't real uh, mm-hmm. that he was talking to or that Christian Slater's Mr. Robot character isn't real. But I I think wouldn't you say we put those to bed that Mr. Robot is real? I'm still not convinced he's real. How can you not be convinced? He had a whole a whole segment where he interacts with Darlene. So if I uh, see figment- I'm convinced. Oh, no, no. See, I don't I think he could be real, but he's really um, Elliot. Like he's not like he just looks like him at that time. Like he's just another version of Elliot at different times. I don't think he's his own character. I still don't. I'm still not convinced he's his own character. I think that the show has, even though that it was like clear in the pilot that that was going to be one of the hooks, like whether or not Mr. Robot as a Christian Slater looking individual was an actual person. Um, they've done a, kind of a really fantastic job of playing with people's expectations and doing things for a couple of weeks where it's like he's clearly interacting with other people, you know, in scenes where Elliot's in the background, um, you know, a few weeks ago when he kind of when Darlene had her blow up and Mr. Robot was kind of in her face. It seemed like, oh, he's real. He's also in the van during the the Black Mountain stuff um, or Steel Mountain. Excuse me. Now I'm getting my true detective stuff infiltrated in here. Um, you know, so you think he's real. And then even the two not this week's episode, but the previous one, like when Ellie Lake kind of comes in from the confrontation um, with Bear's brother and like Mr. Robot's just like sitting on the stairs suddenly um, that made it seem like he was not real. And then this week you see more things where he's operating in entirely separate spaces with different characters while Elliot's having his own issues over here to the left. So I think 
I'm still not sure, and I think I've just decided to let the show do what it's going to do because clearly that's something that it wants us to think about every week. And I think it's done a good enough job that if it turns out that Mr. Robot is just Elliot, it will seem, you know, it will seem like of a piece with what we've seen, at least thus far. I mean, obviously, we could go five years into this and it would be ridiculous. But yeah, Well, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, all, I'm already at the point that they're going to – if they're going to pull something like that, they're going to need a really, really good explanation of how that is the case because they seem to be showing things that are taking place at the same time. So the idea that you're just seeing his alter ego in these other scenes, mm-hmm. that somehow he's obviously able to break out of – the sort of his sort of introverted self in these other these other scenes yet there's been scenes where you have him talk so then you have have that there's these scenes where he's talking to himself uh, he and, be like and he's injuring himself uh, or you're just seeing and I'm at a point where I'm enjoying the show uh, but I'm getting tired of going of at different times going okay is this supposed to be real or is this supposed to make me think it's not real because it pulls me out of the show i See, it doesn't thinking, pull, it doesn't pull me out of the show i just have resolved that they're they're the same person and that's what i'm going with until they tell me otherwise and so well, that's for me, how it, I for me it pulls me out of the, for me it pulls me out of the show because i start analyzing other things than what's actually going on and I don't want to. I don't want to be doing that. I want to just. I want to be uh, pulled into the show, not and then ejected out of it periodically. Yeah, I think the one thing that the show has done for me that I like that allows me to kind of put some of that stuff aside because I do agree. I think um, a, a couple of weeks ago I felt like it was they were really kind of pushing that hard. Like, oh, is he real? Is he not? The last couple of weeks, I feel like. Other things have happened that have allowed them to kind of move that to the side. But I think what really keeps me coming back to this show is just some of the more like stylistic things. Like I think that they how they've been able to keep up the visual kind of language of the show that they established in the pilot um, is really, really impressive because that so often we see these pilots that are directed by, you know, uh, feature directors who come on and have more than a week to put a pilot together and something looks amazing. And then episode two comes and it just looks like everything else on TV. And I think the one thing that this show has done an amazing job of is like, even as they're cycling through directors, they continue to kind of do compelling and visually interesting things, whether it's just framing the way that they frame the action with characters kind of so small in like corners, the way that things are lit, um, that the voiceover is still like actually, helpful and not annoying like most most voiceovers on tv are i think some of those technical things uh really help me enjoy the show and and put the more annoying things about what's real and what's not to the side yeah i i also like that they've been like how they're taking these like computer world terms like in this one it happened to be view source and how they bring those into like the social realm and like into reality. So like he's saying like, Oh, these people, what if you viewed your source and people are walking around with like what their inner truth is on them. And, and that's, I, I, and like there was another one with the, um, uh, whatever it was with the exploits, like how Mm -hmm. that 
became like in reality trying to do a real exploit of someone like i like how they're working these computer things and and how they make it part of reality as well the the one character i still haven't figured out is that freaky guy who wants to be the head of the 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 company (laughs) who like he just gets weirder and weirder and this week he goes and like murders that other guy's wife like he just like lost it and so i don't know what's happening with him yeah, I, I definitely didn't see that coming. <laughs> like that he was he was going to just uh, uh, full on murder her and then try and clean up with a uh, some sort of wife Wet really wife. quick <laughs> to, <laughs> before he ran off. Yeah, that was uh, that was that was definitely strange. But uh, lots of interesting performances though all around. You know, even some of the side you know that are more side characters like. Uh, Angela, you know, her storyline uh, this week of of talking with the guy that was in the board meeting that, you know, made that was part of making this decision and his whole description of how, you know, some of these things go down because that to me was a fascinating scene because, you know, these things happen. You You hear about these things all the time with car companies or something where, you know, somebody did the math. And figured out that it'd be less expensive to pay out, you know, on any injuries or deaths than it would be to actually fix the problem. But that a group of actual human beings are the ones that take those numbers and actually make that decision. Just a portrayal of that I found very interesting. And her character, all of what she's done recently where she she found out that her boyfriend was cheating on, on her and then basically threw him under the bus by... Uh, taking his key card and putting the disc in, and so if if something comes down the line, it'll look like he did it. Just uh, I think a lot of interesting things c- happening around the story. Even the conversation that uh, Darlene and uh, I blanking on, but the other hacker girl, the conversation they have at like the out there in like the college quad there, you know what their motivations are behind. Uh, some of these things I think just made brought out a little bit more in each of those characters, made them more interesting. This is one of those shows that I really liked the pilot. I liked the pilot mainly for the, it had that, holy crap, what the heck is going on? But like you said, Corey, they've been able to maintain some of those visuals and, you know, the music and, you know, the way things are shot that it definitely has much like not quite as, out there as something like Hannibal, but definitely has its own visual style that, you know, sort of sets it apart from uh, a lot of other stuff. Like you said, you have an outstanding pilot. And then when you're, when you only have, you know, seven, eight days to to do the next one, as you start shooting the actual series, things start to look a little cheaper or just a little less. Uh, And they definitely have kept that visual style throughout uh, and that's part of, much like Hannibal, it's the whole thing that's what keeps me coming back. There's so many great pieces. It's got interesting characters, an interesting setting, and then it's told in an interesting way and shot in an interesting way. So it it just has a lot of a lot of good ingredients, making a a pretty a pretty great TV show for the summer here. Yeah, and one of the things that you talked a little bit about kind of like what they've done with Angela, and I think, 
you know, most shows, even good ones, would have used that character as the kind of like normal person that Elliot ran to. And that was how she was even kind of set up in the pilot. Like she's his longtime friend and maybe there are these feelings and whatever. And that could be a romantic story down the line. But she's just kind of like a normal person who he would then go talk to or have to lie to every week when he's doing all this suspicious stuff. And almost immediately the show threw her into a different sort of side or corner of this larger conspiracy of things that is or is not happening. Um, And I think even that little decision there like has a real impact on the show every week and makes the show better when typically, you know, that would be like she would be more of the kind of normal person that would be our entry point into this weird sort of world. And I think those are the decisions that like make this show just a little bit more interesting um, than we might have expected even after the pilot. Yeah, I think I think so, because, uh, I mean, you come to find out that, yeah, they've been friends for a while, but they've been f- they've been friends since they both lost their parents due to mm-hmm. evil corp, you know, and that's how they that's how they met. And while she's not quite as broken, at least externally, as he is, she's got problems too, and she's dealing not necessarily well with uh, with some of these things. She just puts on a better face uh, out in the world than uh, than he's you know than he's able to. But I I, I really like how they've brought along all the other characters uh, and and giving them each a little bit something to where even uh, like last week when they finally show you that uh, Shayla's dead, you had grown to really like that character and her with Elliot. And it's a, that was kind of a devastating thing that six episodes in that's, that's pretty, you know, that's pretty good for, especially when it's a, a side character. I mean, how many times do you have, a side character that ends up dying and at the end you just feel like that was the whole reason they were there. Right. It was just, just because we, we needed a death or something uh, coming that that's, that's the, that's the whole, that's the whole reason we brought them on was, was to do that. And, and it doesn't feel that way here. I I think, uh, I think we're all in agreement. Uh, Mr. Robot is one of the better, well, not just one of the better shows this summer, but one of the better shows to come along so far this year. Absolutely. Yep. All right, uh, and we'll we'll move on to the next show on uh, on the list. Uh, something a little bit more uh, fun uh, from USA, uh, Playing House, season two, episode one, "Hello, Old Friend," and episode two, uh, "Sleepless in Pinebrook." And uh, we'll start with you, Kyle. What did you think of the first couple episodes of the Return of Playing House? I had forgotten how much I enjoyed the show until I was watching these episodes and I was instantly sucked back in. Like, it's just amazing the chemistry the two leads have. And I'm sure uh, it's it's because they've known each other forever, but it definitely shows on screen. Like, they can just riff off one another and it's just hilarious to watch. I, like, I don't even know how much of it is scripted and how much of it is actually uh just improvised on at the time but it just all feels so natural the way these two play off one another and just like the uh just like the situations like yeah some of them are are like tried and true 
sitcom thing, but it feels fresh. Like when they lose the uh, when they lose the the uh, puppet in the house and they have to go retrieve it, and like they're hiding running around hiding but they add their own little twist like they're in the closet like they hear the person insulting them and she's starting to lose her cool and wants to go out there and and confront them when she hears the insults like they just add their own fun twist to these like classic sitcom type of situations like you have the dating one in the second one in the second episode which we've seen a million times but it still feels fresh and new and still a lot of fun uh, then you have like the guys doing the um, babysitting with like one guy's trying to get the baby there to listen to Moby Dick and like so they find their own like they're these stories we've seen a million times but they they make it fun and and feel new so yeah I'm really enjoying it its return how about you Corey yeah the cast of this show really takes it from kind of. Uh, a typical middle of the road comedy to one of the better ones on TV. And I think it's not only the leads, it's that it has such a deep roster of supporting characters from Lindsay Sloan and Keegan, Michael key to Zach Woods and people, you know, who really like are stars of their own shows basically elsewhere. And that they're able to show up on this show every week or every other week and kind of inject uh, an additional level of kind of life and jokes into it really helps the show even more, you know, and I think um, the one thing that I was really impressed by is that the, you know, the premise of the show essentially is that like that um, one character is pregnant and the other one moves in to help them and all these things. And like now the baby is born. And so the conceit of the show is not entirely changed, but it's changed somewhat significantly. And I think, they did a nice job in the first two episodes of not entirely forgetting that a baby was now in this world, but also not over relying on the baby for obvious jokes or bad sort of B or C plots. Um, you know, they got little moments of comedy even out of just the baby setting in the background um, as the kind of goofy dad like tries to make sauce with his mother right like his disappointing mother and the baby's just sort of sitting there occasionally having funny reactions and other times just sitting there and i think you know that's a nice sign of a show that knows what it does well but also is not interested in kind of betraying its own premise or the reality of its world or something like that yeah i just really enjoy it i think it really does play off of the chemistry uh between the two uh i've been sitting here trying to think of the line there was just one line in the first episode where where, she, where they're sitting there talking and one of them is rambling on about all these things and that this person has like – I can't remember if it was like dogs or gerbils or or some, some, something and and she's just like, well, that's, that's too many gerbils. Ten beagles? Yeah, beagles or something like that. Yeah. She's just like – that's just, – it's just her reaction. She's just like – well, that's too many beagles. Like it's just a totally normal conversation that they're having, uh, and, but just her reaction and their their reaction and these just these little lines like that uh, back and forth is what I like about the show. And then, like you said, they have such a deep uh, roster of of all these people that are secondary characters on this show. But like you said, they have their own shows. That <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, what is, is Zach Woods is on like three different shows like <laughs> or something like that uh uh Keegan Michael Key is on multiple things all the time 
Uh, Kyle Bornheimer. Oh wait. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so yeah, I, I think the only thing disappointing about uh, the second season is that it's only eight episodes. That's the thing I'm disappointed. But uh, so are they burning off two every week, or no? Is it they just, just I, I think week. they're just doing that the first week. Uh, that uh, I think it'd only be one episode uh, for the next six weeks. But you can watch the the next one on demand after the new one airs, apparently. Yep. Yeah. And and what did you think of, or did you really watch any of uh, how they they're doing that special, doing some stuff inside the commercials where it's them? I thought that was great. As their characters, like I accidentally saw. I accidentally saw the ads, because <laughs> normally I have my my uh, my computer rip down the episode from TiVo and rip out the commercials, and it left those in for some reason because I didn't realize they were commercials. But I thought they were really fun ads. Like uh, when I was watching, like I was like, "Wait, this feels like an ad." Oh, wait, it is an ad, but it feels like the show. I think they did a really good job of integrating that. Like yeah, unlike think, some other things. Yeah, and it you know, these two actresses seem pretty game to do stuff like that. And they weren't they weren't so like obtrusive that you felt like icky or anything watching them. And I think it's interesting that this is one of the shows, like just this little comedy that's great, but like not very popular and not something that's winning awards, but it's one that's being like used as this like weird experiment where they're doing these um, you know, kind of different ad type things. They're putting it up on demand earlier. Um, and so it's kind of a weird experiment case for USA and the producers and things like that to kind of figure out how we can get or how you can rev- leverage like a small but dedicated audience into a profitable show. If they want to keep doing those commercials and make more episodes, I'll watch all of them. Like. I'll happily watch it. I will start buying the products. Yeah, which I think is very funny considering that I thought USA Network was like getting out of comedy or the half hour comedies. They tried to get in and then it seemed like they were getting out. But then yet they brought this one back and now they're experimenting with other things. Uh, And I just saw I think it's USA Network, the 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 comedy around Donnie Deutsch uh, that's coming. So I was like, wait, they have more comedies coming. I thought they were doing away with comedies. Uh, so I have no idea what USA Network's doing. <laughs> Guess what? Neither do they. <laughs> on, the, on the scheduling front. So it's very, uh, it's very strange. Yeah, I think that they, they really, this was developed back when they were like really going all in on comedy and then very quickly the other ones didn't do very well and now they they like drug, drag their feet so long to bring this back that it's kind of just out there on its own. It's bizarre that this show and Mr. Robot are airing like at the same like at the same time on the same network. Like that you would think that they're on in completely different universes and that they're on the same network is kind of bizarre. <laughs> yeah, like like you were saying last week, uh, Jason. Benched would have been perfect to be combined with this and have another season of that. I, don't, I still don't understand why they canceled that. Yeah, especially if they're actually going to now stay in the comedy business. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't. Maybe they could pick up Mister Robinson, move it over to. Uh... <laughs> uh, that would be uh, well. That wouldn't be good. <laughs> <laughs> While it's all in that uh, NBC Universal family, I suppose. Uh, not something I, I would like to see. 
but we'll we'll move on from the good and the fun of playing house to the I don't know <laughs> true detective <laughs> season two episode eight Omega Station the ninety minute season finale and uh, Kyle you weren't able to force I'm yourself so to, watch, <laughs> to, I did not. To, to watch I this. skimmed through the finale and, I, and then I saw it was 90 minutes so like oh my gosh like I'm glad I didn't I only saw the pilot or the first episode of the second season and that was enough for me uh, this show <laughs> so what'd you think Corey you know, I I was writing about this every week, and I I'm think, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I I often wonder when you like when you are watching a show and writing about it every week, like what my experience would have been having not written about it, because I think this is certainly not a show that benefits from like someone thinking deeply about it, because then. <laughs> I mean, even if you think about it a little bit, you stop and wonder, like, okay, what the hell is going on and why are these things happening? But if you really have to kind of try to form any sense of, like, coherent analysis in a thousand words every week, you really get lost in it. And I think there's so many things that went wrong here. And having seen the finale, I think it there were moments where it seemed like the show was maybe finding something interesting. And those were mostly like in the last two episodes, I think episodes six and seven were the two best of the season. And then the finale is, was maybe the worst. And I mean that it was 90, (laughs) that it was 90 minutes, like only makes it that much worse. It's just, it's everything that you didn't like about the season was jammed into the finale and then double the length. And none of the things that were really great or even good about the last couple episodes were present. I mean, what, what did you think? I I kept watching just out of uh, sort of morbid curiosity as to was there ever going to be a time where we'd sort of figure out what was, you know, what the point was. I, I've seen some people talk about that you ha- having seen the whole thing now that there was a theme uh, you know there was a theme running through that everybody was you know broken well welcome to a tv show i mean yeah that's that, not a theme <laughs> that, yeah uh, that, that, that if everybody if somebody doesn't have something wrong or something like that where's the drama where's the you know where's the conflict uh, come from uh, yeah they all had you know something bad happened to them or and they made some choice uh, that sent them on their present path to where they are now. Uh, but that's not enough to be sort of like a cohesive theme that makes the thing interesting after watching all all eight episodes. And then also to give you, you know, all these things, and then you find out ultimately who killed the guy and how it was attached to some of these other things. And you know the Vinci uh, Police Department, but then practically everybody dies at the end, <laughs> and you're just like, really? After all this, we're we followed all these people, and then they in the last well, basically in the last two episodes, practically everybody <laughs> dies uh, that we've that we've seen along there, and nothing happens to some of the people that were behind it. The you know the train thing goes through. And is 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 that the theme? Is that you know, the bad guys just ultimately get away with it? You know, the the you know rich people win, or or at least some of them do. I don't know. It just was so uh, so bizarre. Uh, even you know, right down to uh, 
uh, why I'm totally blanking on his on his name, but the was it Frank? Uh, yeah. The in the desert, and he's now all of a sudden having these weird flashbacks to things that apparently happened in his past. That we never saw, really. That we've never had reference before. Yeah. But yeah. these are the things, apparently, that made him broken. And we're finally getting around to telling you what they are as he's bleeding to death as he's walking through the desert to when, you know, the, the vision of his wife is like, oh, you you stopped walking a while ago. And then he realizes he's dead. Really? That's what happened? Yes. <laughs> That's, and and then, he, then he falls down and you're like, but wait, wasn't he – wait, I don't know what's going on uh, here. Then you also have the other uh, – you know, Woodrow dies in, you know, in the previous episode after yet another like miraculous – he's able to get away from five highly trained soldiers, uh, kill four of them, and then – walks out and gets shot in the back by this one Weasley cop yeah, who knew that he was going to come out of that one yeah, entrance. That, that, that somehow had figured, yeah, that somehow had figured out where he should wait uh, to, to be able to, to find him. Uh, and then uh, Velcoro, he stops to say goodbye to his son <laughs> on the way to get out. And you just like, as soon as he, as soon as he made the decision to get off, you're like, Oh, they're going to find him. Yeah. And then they, you know, they track him down, and his escape plan is to drive up into the mountains. Apparently. And, uh, like, my escape plan was just drive into the cop car that he passed by and get arrested. Yeah. <laughs> At least for a little bit he might have uh, a chance or anything other than a, a shootout with, you know, a bunch of uh, mercs in the, in the woods where uh, he goes out in a blaze of glory after taking out a few... Uh, but then we get the, you know, the last little thing of how just nothing's working out for these people in that his voicemail message did not go through, you know, from from the phone to his. Yeah, son. if you're, if you're <laughs> just like if, <laughs> if you're trying to send a voice memo to somebody, maybe don't drive to the forest, yeah. you know, because <laughs> you, you should probably know that your signal strength is not going to be good. But it was everything like that in this last episode where you're just like, you know, nothing worked out for any of the quote unquote heroes, really. Uh, Bezaridis ends up on the run, and then apparently it jumps to, you know, it's like a year later or whatever, and she's finally giving all the information that she's acquired to some reporter. Mm -hmm. uh, and then she and Frank's wife and the guy that's been protecting Frank's wife go walking off into the crowd. Well, you forget – you have to mention <laughs> that she's also now a mother from yes, the one time that, right. she, that she and Ray had sex. Yeah, the, yeah, she's now a mom, and she because yeah, she at first when she's talking to the, she says, "I want to do right by his sons," and you're like, "Oh, she got pregnant." Yeah, <laughs> and then they show you the baby, and like you said, the previous two episodes had some uh, things that were kind of interesting, and and then it all built to they steal the money, you know, so like these Russian mobsters all get killed off, but then they don't get nobody gets away with the money. You know, like, uh, you know, the, this one Weasley cop ends up sort of winning there for a while. The the son of of the former mayor ends up becoming the mayor of Vinci, which, and you know, the rail corridor goes through, and and everybody dies. And I, I was just sitting there, especially for like that last half hour, just going, "This is what I sat through this for." Yeah. What? what why? Why did I do this to myself? 
You're making me glad I didn't catch <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think the, the the issue was, and I, I talked a little bit about this, and I was really trying to think about, like, what, like, how to talk about this episode in the season. It's like, I'm fine with a show that just kind of hits all the formula and the conventions and the cliches of, like, a particular genre. So if you want to do, like, a police kind of thriller mystery kind of thing where there's a a murder and you got to figure out who did it and everything like that. I'm I'm fine with that. But this season of the show just so often like poorly executed the basic conventions of like the who done it that you, it was so hard to watch that in the last few episodes when we've gotten to like the quote unquote answers to certain things, it's literally just people describing situations that we a never saw or b were never properly described or c feature so many names of characters that we only saw once or twice that everybody who's watching this show online people i talk to commenters whatever is saying like wait who's x who's what like every week there's a list of names that we're supposedly supposed to remember (laughs) and there's just so many people and i think that that was that was in place to illustrate some kind of vast conspiracy, but the conspiracy never really had much of a face and never had much of a bite. Even the characters that were kind of interesting, like the mayor, Chisani, and his super weird son, who ended up being kind of like the primary villain behind so much of this, he only had like two scenes where he actually spoke. And yeah. <laughs> and there were so many like interesting things that kind of on the fringes, especially early in this season, like the the weird bird mask and just like how creepy and violent Casper's murder was and the weird Conway Twitty sort of like portal to hell thing that we saw at the beginning of the third. There are all these things that by the time you got to last night, it was like, wait, why did any of that happen? Why did we see any of that? And it just devolved into this very standard really substandard attempt to replicate, you know, a typical kind of police whodunit with these vast conspiracies. And it just, it like, it was so poorly executed on a fundamental level that you couldn't even appreciate, you know, an occasional good scene or like a a nice performance here and there because everything about it was just not well produced and not like well considered. And I think it's ultimately... You know, HBO is probably if they're going to do another season of this is like definitely going to figure out a way to not let Nick Pizzolatto just do whatever he wants and have full control over everything and not have a writer's room and all of that, because this is what happens when he has full control. The other thing that was interesting about the first season, other than, you know, some of the breakout performances and stuff that it was the setting yep. was was so much more interesting but then it was also shot visually one guy mm-hmm. through the whole thing. It wasn't uh, you know, bringing on new people to try and continue to do that. They tried to ape that same visual style, but it to me it didn't work it showing freeways and things around Los Angeles. It wasn't as vi- you know interesting as some of these long stretches of the bayou and stuff like that, that they are driving through in the first season. And really it was the writing was, I don't know what he thought about the first season, (laughs) but uh, he apparently he wanted to get like more pretentious or more 
yeah. out there or something, and it was just super strange. Uh, the funniest thing I've seen, and I'll post a link to it in the show notes, is somebody wrote up a little snippet of what it would be like if Nick Pizzolatto went to Starbucks to order a coffee. <laughs> and the, the, uh, the dialogue that goes back and forth with between him and the barista is, oh, it's, it's so, it so just shows like the absurdity of how some of the, some of these lines were delivered. Uh, there were some decent performances within this, but they really had some clunky lines to deliver at times where you're just like, what, <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah. And I, <laughs> and I think that, you know, like if you went back, you would see that there's some pretty, there's some big clunkers like in the first season, as far as dialogue goes and some pretension, but it, all of that was kind of masked by how compelling Matthew McConaughey was and how great Woody Harrelson was at kind of responding to the weirdness that was, uh, McConaughey's rust. And like, it's one thing for like a kind of drugged out, burnout, alcoholic to be like kind of prophesizing in kind of like in a police interrogation that he doesn't want to be in in the first place just to kind of like screw with people. It's another thing for characters who are in comparison to the people from the first season relatively normal and just like sitting in a bar having a conversation to suddenly turn into this like flowery monologue that <laughs> – it would just go off into the most poorly constructed sentences um, that you can imagine. And I think, you know, the lines themselves are bad, but then when you sort of change the context and it's just what are supposed to be relatively normal people interacting with one another, like it makes them seem even worse than they already are. Like the show, like Pizzolatto did the show and his actors no favors in that regard. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. It was... It was just one of those that after a while I was like, well, there's only four more episodes. <laughs> I might as well I might as well stick it out. And then after sticking it out, I go, why? Why did I do that? Why did I talk myself into that? Because it's not like when it comes back, if it comes back for a third season, that I'll have needed to have seen <laughs> all of season two to be able to jump into season three, considered the way the show is structured. So lesson learned. If it comes back for a third season, I'll check it out. And if a couple episodes in, it's the same, I'll just be out. Well, that's I watched the entire first season and then quit after this, after I saw it. it was The only thing I liked about the first season was that one four-minute one-shot. And that was the only good thing in the first season to me. Yeah, here they tried to equal that by doing the giant gun battle. Maybe I'll go find that episode and watch it's, that one I think one that's scene. episode four, too. Uh, yeah, it's it, the same structure, yeah, at the end of the fourth episode. It, at the end of the fourth episode, it's just a, a giant shootout. And then the fifth episode picks up, you know, like three months later or something. I don't know. That's, yeah, just, I there's, it's so hard to even know what to say about it because you, you just sit there the whole time going, so many times I'd just be, literally just be going, What? What yeah. what is going on? Because so many times, even like when you finally find out who the murderer is and stuff like that, early on it was just so convoluted that when you come to the end and it's like so basic as to the reasoning uh, behind uh, the murder and the and then that murder is really what sort of opened up all these other problems or you know an investigation into seeing what some of these other things that were going on 
it just it just didn't work. Right, and it and it felt like, you know, even in the first season, so much of what the story was is that Rust and Marty like were you know, at times like actively bad at their job and like created additional problems for themselves. And in this season, these characters were immediately thrown together and there was obviously kind of like this the whole conspiracy was already stacked against them, but when did they do any police work? Like Paul was like they would show him occasionally just like walking on the street talking to people and then sitting in front of a computer. He was the only one who did really anything. Like they occasionally <laughs> went to a crime scene and talked to people for two seconds. And I understand that's the setup to get you to another thing or to get to a character moment or whatever. But it just like they never once felt remotely capable of their like at, in their jobs. And they were so, you know, working from behind with the vast conspiracy from the beginning. And then in the finale, you know, Annie and Ray are just kind of sitting there and then suddenly like they snap their fingers and they're like, oh, I've got it. And they're like, they're basically telling the audience, like, remember that one thing from six episodes ago? Yeah, remember that one guy? I think that's the brother yeah. of, <laughs> of the girl that we just... Yeah, and they didn't do anything to get there. He just literally thought, huh, and happened to be correct because somebody had to be the killer. But also, but the other thing, it was just like how in the in the final episode, how just nothing worked out. They got the money, but then, you know, nobody ends up with the money. Uh, Ray gets... A recording of this guy talking about all kinds of stuff about the conspiracy, uh, but then somebody steps on it in the you know <laughs> in the train station, yeah. Uh, and 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 they and they lose it, and so it's like every time they they finally got something, it it was immediately like taken away, and it just it just made the whole thing feel like a, a waste of time. And with that, I think that's uh, enough time spent talking about it, and we'll move on to. TV recommendations. We'll start with you, Corey. Did you you come up with something you'd like to recommend uh, people check out? Yeah, I would say uh, it, there's a couple things that I could recommend. Um, if you haven't watched uh, Wet Hot American Summer First Day of uh, Camp on Netflix yet, um, I think it's a really enjoyable um, version of the kind of prequel series. And I think I'm a person who thinks that Netflix should like not waste its time reviving or prequelizing all these things. But uh, they do a really fun job of uh, mixing in callbacks to the movie and kind of creating some original stories um, that line up with the movie and doing some really ridiculous things. And it, it, it's really fun. It's really easy to get through. It's only eight episodes at like 25 minutes a clip. So you don't run into the Arrested Development season four problem where some of the episodes are like 45 minutes long for no reason. Um, and so if you haven't seen that, you could check it out. And even if you haven't seen the movie, I think you will at least uh, get an, you know, have a number of laughs that will inspire you to watch the movie. So that's one. And, you know, I'm always willing to, to recommend big brother. If people are not watching big brother, it's a pretty good season. It's kind of hard to jump in now, but you could like read plot summaries on Wikipedia and then jump in, uh, and you know it happens every day, so you can follow things online. So if you need your reality fix, Big Brother's a good choice. I've been watching Big Brother since the beginning, so me too. I'm with you on that. <laughs> Who are you rooting for? I'm rooting for John the Dentist. I want I, him to win. I think I do too. But hit man, his diary sessions are so. His voice in the diary like room, his like his Bobcat Goldblum voice. Yeah, it's just, he, <laughs> like I just. <laughs> 
you know that like the the producers know that it's annoying and just like are encouraging him to like John be more animated and so he even goes even further with it when you wish they just say we're right here you do not have to scream people will be watching you on television you don't actually have to reach people who are in like <laughs> Alabama like the microphones will pick up your voice he's uh, like a human muppet yes like. he is he's absolutely a human muppet i am rooting, rooting for him um or or Becky. I, I do like Becky just because she was never on the show forever. Like she was just never on and now she's kind of rising to prominence. So that's, well, that's like funny. Steven. Like I always forget he's even on the show until suddenly they show him at the like making his vote. I'm like, oh, yeah, he, that guy. He's, a, he's a guy on the show. Yeah. All right. And Kyle, your your recommendation. I have a whole list of puns here, but I'll refrain <laughs> from going through my puns. Um, I've always been a huge fan of like the Ardman animation stuff, like Wallace and Gromit and Chicken Run. And so my recommendation is uh, go see the Shaun the Sheep movie. Um, I haven't. Re- I've only seen an occasional episode of the series. The series is only like like a five minute little thing here and there. Um, but the movie is a lot of fun, and it's amazing how much stuff they can do with absolutely no dialogue. There's just like some grunts, some grunts here and there, or something to get the point across. But like you completely understand what's going on. They have a couple signs that are like have some words written in English, but other than that, like it's all just like like sounds and music and stuff. It's just a lot of fun. There's jokes in there for adults and for kids. And um, it's just like an action-adventure comedy, just a lot of fun. I highly recommend checking it out. All right. All I could think of is, what, does Tim Allen star in this? It's all just grunting and... <laughs> well, it's like it's noises. like think think like peanuts, like the peanuts, like you're wah, 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 wah. Uh, like yeah. you hear that kind of thing, like you just hear like a sound when like the people are talking because obviously the sheep can't talk because that would be crazy. Uh, but I mean, of course, I can dress up in costumes and run around and act like humans, but that's not crazy. Uh, just the, but yeah, it's just it's just a lot of fun. All right, uh, for for me, I think I'll go with. I sort of jumped on board with uh, Leah last week uh, to recommend Playing House, uh, but I'll recommend that again because it has a short first season, and so you could still find you could still find those episodes and catch up with it and get in on the these eight episodes. I just find them so great together, and there's a, I don't know there's a lot of over the summer there's a lot of stuff that I'm watching that's very serious, you know, Mr. Robot, humans. I mean, at least Killjoys has a little bit uh, of fun to it, uh, but there's a lot of, uh, or, you know, and then been watching like True Detective, which was super serious <laughs> uh, for no apparent reason. So it, it's nice to have something that I, a comedy where I actually laugh, you know, throughout, uh, you know, multiple times, unlike, you know, Mr. Robinson that we talked about previously, where I don't think I laughed once throughout both episodes, so. Uh, that'll be that'll be my recommendation. I'll say uh, catch up with Plain House if you haven't. It's a it's a great little show. And with that, that'll do it for uh, this week. As always, you can find links to more info about our recommendations, as well as the news stories we talked about, and also where you can find uh, Corey and Kyle online in the show notes at tvtimes3.com/slash285. On the next episode, uh, Kyle will be back with me on his uh, regularly scheduled <laughs> appearance for this month. Thank you again, Kyle, for jumping in for Amory on sort no of problem. short notice. 
And uh, joining us will be uh, uh, Melissa Giramonte uh, from thetelevixen.com and the recently, I think they're on episode four or five of the new podcast, Remotely Girly, will be uh, joining us. And uh, lastly, there's probably going to be new music on this episode since... I still haven't found out whether we can continue to use the music that we've been using on the podcast for quite some time since the site that we got it from uh, seemed to have disappeared like two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but since, as I mentioned last week, since I hadn't had any need for any new music, uh, hadn't gone to the site in quite some time and so didn't know that it was gone. And so probably will not continue to use that music <laughs> until I can find out. Uh, either from an, the new site that acquired them, if they're still doing the same thing, or uh, straight from the band themselves to be able to continue to use that music. Uh, so this episode will either just open with me saying, welcome to TV Times 3, or it might have something else uh, if I find something in the next couple days. Uh, and uh, that will do it for episode 285. Thank you again, Corey and Kyle, for uh, joining me. My pleasure. Thanks. Thanks.